The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. On the fifth Sunday night in July, we had Elder Josh Coker, pastor of Vestavia Primitive Baptist Church, come down and preach for us. The Lord blessed him with a powerful message about the day of Pentecost. He preached from Acts chapter 2 and reminded us of the things that Peter said and how they apply to our lives today, especially in the church. I hope you'll join us for this message, which is a little longer than normal, but I wanted to post it as a complete message instead of splitting it into two parts. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. When the Lord turned again, to look this 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 evening if you will at acts chapter 2 probably a familiar passage familiar chapter to any bible readers but that's where my mind is this this evening and we're going to look at peter's sermon on the day of pentecost um jesus has now gone uh back to to heaven and he's left his apostles his disciples here on earth to carry out the work of the church and there's um Devout men, it says, Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven that had been gathered together, and they hear 
the, the preaching and they hear it in their own language. And so it's a, it's a marvelous thing that happens. It says in verse 7 that they were all amazed and marveled, uh, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? But they heard them in their own tongue. And there were some there, it says in verse 12, that they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? But others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. And um, if you spend much time around the church or following Jesus, you're going to have some people that ask you what, what's changed about your life, and I guess there'll always be people, and there always have, that'll just mock what you're trying to do. Um, but I'm going to tell you, let them mock, right? Let the heathen rage, uh, because uh, this is, what you're doing tonight, what you did this, this morning, uh, those of us that are trying to follow Jesus, uh, as if you're like me, you stumble and fall through your efforts in this life to do it, but that's the way that's really the only way in which you can enjoy this life is trying to follow Jesus. So they're mocking, and it says in verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as you supposed, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. I love that it says that they were, they were mocking the people here, but Peter stands up. And I'm going to tell you, Peter stood up, I believe, boldly here and lifted up his voice. You know, it, there's times in this life, um, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm preaching to you today. I hate being the center of attention. I really do. I hate, uh, it, it's, um, it's a wonder that the Lord called me uh, to be a preacher. It really is. Um, but there, come a, there comes a time in life, there come situations in life uh, where you just need somebody to stand up and lift up their voice. <laughs> um, if you got, if there's mamas and daddies here today and you've had children, they've probably been a time that you've had to stand up and lift up your voice and say, no, you're not doing this, or no, you're not wearing that. It's not always easy, is it? If you've been in school or on ball teams or wherever it may be, uh, there'll come a time with your friend group, or with those that you're around, that they want to do things that you shouldn't be doing or watch things that you shouldn't watch or be places you shouldn't be, and you're just going to have to stand up and lift up your voice. I tell you, I, I wonder in, in our nation, y'all know we're in a mess, right? I don't have to tell you all that today. <laughs> um, I wonder sometimes, I say, when is somebody going to stand up and lift up their voice? Um, but you know what? You mentioned there, it says Peter was so bold. But if you notice, it says Peter standing up with the eleven. And I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier to stand up when you're with the people of God. That's why I'm thankful to be here around good people like you today and to know that we have brothers and sisters that are, that are standing up and lifting their voice, not bending their knee to the things of this, that, that we see going on in our world today. And there's people like Peter there that do that thing. He begins to defend his brothers. He says, these aren't drunken as you suppose, seeing as with the third hour of the day. He says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be delivered in that day. 
In verse 22, he says, You men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> now, I, I joked uh, earlier that I've only got two, two sermons. You know, a real good preacher should really only have one sermon. It should all be about Jesus. Jesus told a group in John chapter 5, I believe it is, he says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. When he was walking on that road to Emmaus with those Two men, you know, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? I believe it says he started at Moses and the prophets, and he expounded unto them the scriptures, Amen. the things that were pertaining to who? To him. Um, all of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. If I came here today and gave you seven steps on how to be a better person, you left, didn't hear anything about Jesus, that's no better than a TED Talk, right? You can get that on YouTube today. But we're here to talk about Jesus. And so when in this very important day, when the, the church is going to burst onto the scene, it doesn't take long for Peter to get to Jesus. He says, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. So he says that Jesus was approved of you. See, the sign, we see signs throughout the Bible. Um, you know, we see gifts. We see the parting of the Red Sea. We see a, a, a rod that was turned into a serpent. You see these signs. God has used signs and miracles throughout the, the, the centuries, throughout uh, time to authenticate the message or the messenger, right? He did this in the New Testament. We see it uh, through his apostles. And he's saying that, that Jesus, when he was walking the earth, when he was uh, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, giving you know, hearing to the deaf, that was just to authenticate to those people. That was one way they could know that the Messiah is actually here. God in flesh is actually here today. And he says, him, speaking of Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And, you know, that's what they did to our... Now, Jesus coming to earth was no accident, right? It was all planned before the world ever began. Before the world ever began, if you had nothing else out of this sermon, Brother Josh is telling you, before the world ever began, God had a plan to rescue you. He knew you would be a sinner. He knew you would be messed up. I told the folks at Vestavia this morning, you can really start living when you decide that you don't have to pretend like you've got it all together. <laughs> I say that a lot because I don't have it all together and I don't even want to pretend like it's it's um it's just tiring, isn't it? <laughs> to put on a mask and act like you've got it all together. And when Jesus came to the Calvary, he outed you that you do not have it together. And so he says, by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, Jesus was given, but he was taken by wicked hands and crucified and slain. And then it says this of Jesus, it says, whom God hath raised up. I love that. Amen. I, I want to tell you this. If Jesus Christ, now Jesus came to earth. Um, you know, he, he would say things like, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him which sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. The angel would tell Joseph that you should call his name Mary, uh, for he shall save his people from his sins. See, the, 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 the mission of Jesus was, uh, there were a lot of things that Jesus did. He established his church. He gave us a great example of how we should walk and what we should do. Peter would say when he was preaching to Cornelius about Jesus that he went about doing good. You want to say, what's my, what's my mission in life? How should I live? Live like Jesus. Do, go about doing good, right? But all that wasn't the main thing that Jesus came to do. The main thing that Jesus came to do was to save us from our sins, right? That was his mission. 
And so when it says here that when, when Peter gets to the, the crux of the matter, he says, whom God hath raised up. Amen. See, Jesus isn't in the tomb anymore. He, he had a borrowed tomb. <laughs> he only needed it for three days and three nights, right? Because he was coming up out of it. If you go to the book of Romans, chapter 4, one of my favorite verses in all of, all of Scripture, it says, speaking of Jesus, we'll start in verse uh, 24, it says, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord. So he's speaking of Jesus from the dead, who, speaking of Jesus, was delivered for our offenses. You say, why was Jesus, why did he go to the cross? Why did he suffer? Why did he bleed? Why did he die? It was because of your offenses, because you're messed up, because you didn't have it together, because you were a sinner, because you fall short of the glory of God. But for the same reason, because why he was delivered for your offenses, it says he was raised again. He was delivered from the grave. He was, he, he was resurrected for our justification. And you know what that means? Uh, just, just, as he was, just as he was given because you were an offender, he was raised again because you are now justified. Do y'all see that? It would be, be a lot different it said if he was delivered four hours of offenses and was raised again for the possibility that you may experience justification. That would be a lot different verse, wouldn't it? But here the Apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ was raised again because you were justified. And when the Son of God was slain on the cross, it wasn't to offer a way for you to be justified. He was justifying you on the cross. He was made to be sin for us uh, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you see that? And so Peter's getting to the, to the matter. He says, Whom he hath raised up to raise from the dead, having loosed from the pains of death. Listen to this, what it says about our God. Because it was not possible <laughs> that he should be holding to it. Death did not have power over our Lord. And he goes on to say, For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus had God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Um, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the greatest things uh, to, to show that the resurrected Lord is real, that Jesus was really resurrected, is that men saw it and then gave their life for it. <laughs> I believe it's Paul that told the Corinthians, he said there's about 500 more that have seen him. You can go ask them about it. It'd be really hard to propagate a lie with that many people, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, if, if men like Paul and Peter, John, um, they're not going to give their life for something that they know was a lie, right? And so he says that we are all witnesses 
of this. He says, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. He says, this is Jesus that has to do with what you're seeing today. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy, fo thy foes thy footstool. He quotes from Psalm 110 and verse 1. It's one of the most often quoted verses uh, in all of the Bible. And as people in 2022 today, I've heard it said that we're living in, in between the already and the not yet, right? <laughs> All the foes of Jesus Christ have been defeated. <laughs> um, he's just waiting. Uh, until, and, and look, this is how long he's going to wait. That's in the providence of God. You leave that up to God, right? <laughs> um, but all the enemies that are after you, that are after your family, that are after the church, whatever it may be, uh, they are all engaged in a losing cause. Amen. And you, my friends, it may feel like we're involved in a losing cause at times, doesn't it? I love that song we sang from number 212, We Are Gaining Ground. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. Every day that you live, you're one step closer to being with Him. Uh, every day, I believe the kingdom of God is expanding. Every, that's what Jesus said, that you could pray, uh, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Every time a child of God's heart is changed, that stony heart is removed and a heart of flesh is given. Every time there's a, uh, someone that walks down these aisles and, and asks to be baptized and follow Jesus, the kingdom of God is still expanding. And God's not done with the kingdom of God. And so he says, until, thy foes, um, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus. <laughs> See, his message was all about Jesus, wasn't it? whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so he preaches, um, he preaches his message of Jesus. And the, the reaction to the message of Jesus is seen here in verse 37. It says, now when they, now these are men who were, some of which were engaged. <laughs> these are the people that had taken the, the, the wicked hands that had crucified and slain the Lord, it says, when they heard this, when they heard about this God that had been uh, come to, to life, to, or come to, to this world to bleed and to die for them and was raised again, it says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They began to feel remorse for what they had done. They, they were brokenhearted. Have you ever heard the message of what Jesus did and you begin to feel guilty over the things you've thought, <laughs> over the things you've said? over the way you've acted. That's what they're doing. Uh, they, they, are, they are brokenhearted over the things that they have done. And he says, they say unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, the men that had stood up to voice their opinion, the men that had, that had stood up and lifted up their voice in this crowd. Now, these men begin to stand up and they ask Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? See, the message of Jesus, we often, we, as grace believers, people will, will from time to time say, if you, if you believe that Jesus has done it all, why would you do anything, right? The people have been accused of that. I believe the Apostle Paul was accused of that. I think he talks some about that. But see, the message of this 
God who came to earth to rescue us, when you hear that message, the reaction to a child of God is not, well, I'm going to sit down and do nothing. <laughs> the reaction uh, to a child of God should be, what shall we do? <laughs> when Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus, the first thing he said is, Lord, what will you have me to do? <laughs> uh, well, the Philippian jailer, you know, so what must I do to be saved? That's, that's just a reaction to the preaching of the gospel is to say, well, what will you have me to do? Now, the fact that you want to do something in no way uh, merits your salvation or, or, or helps you to gain your salvation. Um, but, but people through, from, from this time till today, there have been groups of people who know that salvation is completely by the grace of God, but still their reaction to it is, what shall I do? Matter of fact, when I hear about what Jesus has done for me, um, I'll be honest with you, it does prick me in the heart, and I just want to do more Amen. and more and more uh, the problem when I find myself not doing more and more and more is when I drift away from hearing about what Jesus or focusing on what Jesus has done for me but Peter answers he says he says the answer to it is Peter says unto them the first thing you need to do is repent <laughs> and you know you can never outrun uh, the 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 opportunity to repent one more time. Isn't that the good thing about God? <laughs> He's not going to give up on his people. What Peter says is you need to, repentance is to, is to, really repentance is, first of all, to change your mind. It starts in the mind. A lot of people get this idea that, uh, and live this way, and, and I've been guilty of it, and you probably have too, that if I can ever get my life together, then I can come back to God. <laughs> But really, the, the, the thing is, you need to come back to God to get your life together. <laughs> I, got, I got people that I, I work with and labor with, and, and, and boy, their life is a mess. Um, but the, the little things, like showing up to church, reading your Bible and praying, just the little things, I can't get them to do. Well, I really can't help you until you start doing the little things, right? Which the little things are the big things. And repentance is a change of mind. Um, you know, I, I was thinking earlier when we were sitting over there at Second Chronicles um, chapter seven. We all we all probably familiar with this. The Lord appeared to Solomon and said, "If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people," He says, "If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways." Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Now I want you to notice what a lot of people would, would, would think and say and act like that, that God should have said, if my people which are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and then humble themselves, then they can pray, then they can seek my face. <laughs> but what God is saying, if you will humble yourself, pray and seek my face, then we can work on cleaning your life up. But without me, you can't do it. And so the first thing that Peter says is you need to repent. You need to change the way you're thinking. You need to change the way you feel towards your past sins. And then once you've done that, you need to be baptized. You need to publicly profess to those around you, to a watching world, uh, that you want to follow Jesus Christ. He says, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And and just as when we looked in Romans chapter 4 when it says that we were delivered 
for our offense, or he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That's because of, right? He was delivered because we're offenders. He was resurrected because we are now justified. Same thing here. He's saying you need to be uh, baptized in the name, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ because of the remission of sins. Not to gain the remission of sins, but on account of or because of the fact that you have already been forgiven of your sins. See, if you meet somebody that comes to Brother Chris or comes to me or comes to one of you, maybe it's a family member or a friend, and they say, I've heard about Jesus, I've been reading my Bible, and, and I am ready to know what is it that I shall do. The worst answer you can give them is say, well, you need to pray this prayer or walk this aisle or do this thing, and then Jesus will love you. If you find somebody that comes to you and says, I want to do something, they've already been born of the Spirit of God. They've already been saved by God. So you need to tell them, you need to, you, you need to start following Him. Repent and be baptized because you are showing evidence that you've already been the penalty for sin has already been remitted you are now saved do y'all see that there's a big difference between being baptized to be saved or being baptized because you already believe you're saved <laughs> and that's what that's what peter is saying here and he says and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost now in this time you know they were, like we said there were there were miracles there were signs there were wonders that were being uh, poured out at this time and we don't we don't see a lot of those today but i'm going to tell you there's still a lot of benefits the holy ghost is still at work today don't y'all believe that when you're believed when you're back paul talks about being uh, uh sealed with the holy spirit of promise um i believe when we when when we believe when we uh, act on our faith when we publicly proclaim christ that the holy spirit is still in the business of handing out gifts to us. Now it may not be, I'm not going to be speaking in tongues here today. I don't ever, I don't ever intend to do that. But I can tell you I felt the sweet peace that could only come from God. Amen. And it only comes when you were following him. Repentance and baptism and discipleship. And so in verse 39 he says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. And then he qualifies, Who is the promise to? Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. <laughs> um, he, was, he was charging these people. He was uh, to testify as to witness uh, to what Jesus has done. He was preaching the gospel to them and he was exhorting them. You know what that word means? That means to admonish or to encourage. Um, I, I've preached a lot recently on encouragement. And you know, I believe that's one of the best things that we can do for each other is to encourage one another. <laughs> we need to exhort one another daily while it's called today. We need to exhort each other uh, to righteousness and to, and to good works. And to, you know, we, you, you, honestly, uh, you got to encourage people to stay on the right track. Amen. Brother Chris probably spends a lot of his time encouraging members <laughs> of this church. I would assume you do. Um, and, and, and we shouldn't be shocked at that because it is a pretty discouraging world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Y'all have been around people that just you leave and you're pretty discouraged. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people. Do you? I want to be. I want to be an encouraging person. I want to be somebody that pours courage into my brothers and sisters. And that's what Peter was doing here. With many other words, he was testifying, and exhorting, saying this. Now, look, you can't save yourself from your sins. You can't remit your sins. You can't, you can't save yourself from the offenses that Jesus was delivered on your behalf for. But here's something you can do. He testified and exhorted them. He encouraged them. The one thing that you, men and brethren, what shall we do? That was the question. 
Here's what you can do. He says, save yourself from this untoward generation. This crooked and perverse generation. And I'm going to tell y'all, Acts chapter 2 and verse 40 is a full-time job. A full-time job. In in the book of Galatians, um, the Apostle Paul, I I want to make sure I quote this right. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, speaking of Jesus Christ, who gave, he says who, in verse 4, Galatians 1, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Um, what Paul is saying there is that this world is here and it's bad. Amen? <laughs> and it's been that way since Paul was preaching to the Galatians 2,000 years ago. It's been that way since Adam transgressed God's law and his kids started killing each other. We shouldn't be, now listen, I'm shocked by some of the, I can't say that word from the pulpit, the ignorance (laughs) that I see on television or on social media or on wherever it may be. But me and and, uh, Brother Donnie were on talking on the way down here. We really shouldn't be shocked that sinners want to be sinners, should we? (laughs) It shouldn't shock us. But I'm going to tell you, there there is a... a, a, a generation, there is a, a people, there is a, the, the, the Bible would talk about the world, the flesh, the devil, the world, this influence of the world uh, that is trying to conform you to their image, that is trying to, to uh, by the way, they're after your children, maybe more so than they are you. It's a full court press uh, from Satan and his demons and those that are in power in this country. They are trying to, from the government to the media to, the, to academia, it seems like there is a full court press for our minds for our souls and for the people of this land and he and the same message that peter had two thousand years ago is the same message we need today save yourselves from this crooked generation how are we going to do that how are we going to do that listen to what it says then i believe these people responded positively to peter's preaching (laughs) It, it, it says there it says then they that gladly received his word were baptized (laughs) I tried to preach this morning from, from uh, John chapter 2 where Jesus goes to that wedding in Cana with his, with his mom and his disciples and they run out of wine, right? And his mom comes to Jesus and, and says, hey, they're out of wine. We need more wine. And she tells the servants, the wait staff, she says, Get the, she says, she says go to Jesus and whatever he says, do it. <laughs> do it. Well, here we have the people that, are, that, are, that have heard the preacher and they're doing what the preacher says to do. And the preacher was just preaching. The, Look, I'm not some genius that knows how to live life. I'm just trying. If it doesn't come from the Word of God, don't do it. Amen. But here he's preaching. He's telling them what they need to do. And here he has people that have gladly received his Word. I want to tell you, if you want to be a blessing to Brother Chris here at Zion Church, when, when he preaches the Word, gladly receive it and do it. <laughs> if, you, if you're here tonight, and you've been wanting to walk down these aisles to be baptized in this water. I'm going to tell you, today is the best day you can do it. The Apostle Paul uses this word, I know at least in the book of Ephesians, henceforth, from this time forward, is what that word means. That's the best time to repent and start doing what's right. Right now, from this time forward. It'll bless your pastor. It'll bless your friend. Don't, don't be somebody that, that, that... Don't let Satan hinder you from doing what you know you need to do (laughs) just go ahead and do it whatever he says do it so they that gladly received his word says they were baptized 
And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. There were, there were 3,000, it says, that were added to the church that day. Now, Brother Buddy, wouldn't you like to have been a part of that revival? <laughs> I was, we were talking about how good the Lord's been to you all down there, down here. Uh, and, and look, that's, that, that, would have been, that would have been quite a scene, wasn't it? 3,000 people added to the church at one time. And it says this. It says, if you, want to, if you want to save yourself from this world, it says, and they continued steadfastly. That means that this wasn't a 1030 to noon thing or a 5 to 7 thing or however long we're going to be here tonight. Um, it was a 24-7 activity for the church. We often wonder, we say, how could we be more like the, the, the early church, right? We're primitive Baptists. We want to be like the earth. That's our desire to be like the early church. They, they spoke of the early church, said these are the men that have come that have turned the world upside down. And it seems like the church has very little influence on the world today. And I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. If we're called to be salt and light, I believe we should have some kind of influence on the communities and the people around us, right? But we often wonder, well, we don't seem to have any any influence on those around us? Well, maybe the fact isn't, uh, the problem's not with God, I can tell you that. And the problem's not with God's word, I can tell you that. I have to wonder if the problem's not with us. <laughs> Are we continuing, look, we will continue steadfastly in a lot of things, won't we? <laughs> uh, I won't even go there. <laughs> I could think of a lot of things that Josh Coker continues steadfastly in that really bring no benefit to my life. But here he says, these people, this is the, this is the, I've called this the mission statement of the church. You want to know what should a church be all about? We should be about, Zion Church exists to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Amen. What is it that we need to be found promoting in this world today? Is it something new? Is it some, some idea that Brother Chris has had or Brother Buddy's had or Brother Josh has had? No, it's the same old message that the apostles were preaching. It's the same message that they received from Jesus. It's the same message of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for what's the first thing that it's helpful with? What's the first thing that this book is helpful with? Not reproving you, not correcting you, not for instructing you in what you should do. The first thing the Bible says it's good for is doctrine. It's teaching you. It's teaching you how you were saved. It's teaching you how the church is to exist. It's teaching you how you should treat your your husband or your wife or your children. It is good for doctrine. <laughs> and he says they continued steadfastly in it and in fellowship. Listen, all the, all the doctrine in the world, um, I'm, I, I don't know if I should say it's not, it's not good unless you have some fellowship, but if you, if you got all doctrine and no fellowship, you got a dry place. <laughs> You can have all the, the good uh, sound preachers in the world, but if it's not a place that invites people in, if it's not a place that likes to... Look, you can go on through the rest of this book, and it says, it says in verse 44 that all that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need, and they continuing daily with one accord and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I'm convinced that a church can never grow, a church can never be healthy unless it's a place where the people love being together. Amen. You got to be together. 
it's important that we're together. I, I don't want to downplay uh, the virus and all the things that have happened the last few years, but one of the worst things about, about the reaction to that virus was that we just weren't together. People were separated from one another. See, the, the Bible says that the devil's a roaring lion seeking those that he may devour. You know, the, you know the, you ever watch like the animal planet or something? What's the animal that the lion gets? The one that gets it by itself, right? The one that's away from the pack. So he says they continued in, in fellowship and in breaking of bread. And, and I've had, uh, you know, I'm sure that has to do, um, with, I'm sure that there is, Communion is, is, is part of that. And that is, that is see, the communion or the ordinance of the churches, the, the, the bread, the wine, uh, those are means by which God has given to his church to communicate what he did for his people. And so we should continue in those things. And, and I've had some people argue with me a bit that I think part of it was just they ate together, simple as they ate together. That's one, of the mo- that's one of the most simple things you can do as a church family. You say, how do I, I want to uh, get closer as a church family? Invite somebody out to eat <laughs> or over to your house to eat. You can't get around chips and salsa and not have a good time. I promise y'all. <laughs> you can tell I love to eat. Um, the breaking of bread and in prayers. Listen. Why, why did the church bust onto the scene? They were devoted to doctrine. They were devoted to fellowship. They were breaking bread together. And they were praying one for another. It's really hard to be upset with your brothers when you're praying for each other. That's the best thing you do. You, you mad at your wife? You mad at your husband? Go, go in the room and pray for them. You will come out finding it's a lot harder to be mad at them. It's a lot harder to be at their throat. It says they continued in doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. We read this, but it says, and they all and, and all that believed were together. <laughs> That's a good place to be, isn't it? Together. They had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And I'm gonna tell you, this is a this is, this is not a prescriptive text, meaning that I do not have to go out and sell everything I have to be a good Christian and, and part that to other people. But it is describing what the early church was doing. And it, is, it, it would be, if, if the time came that I needed to part with something that I have to, to give to another brother or another sister who is in need, I should be willing to do that, right? And it says they, they parted to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread. Listen, this is the, this is the last point I'll try to make. From house to house. It didn't say they were from church to church. Y'all see that? A lot of us will say, brother, I want you to come to my meeting. And, and let's stay your Primitive Baptist Church having a meeting August 27th and 28th. 4 p.m., 7 p.m. on Saturday, 10.30 on Sunday. Y'all come and be with us. But when it comes to the church, Zion Church, they were so familiar with one another, they were so close to one another that they were opening up their homes to one another. From house to house. Now that takes work, doesn't it? It doesn't take any work to open up the church. I mean, well, let me get that wrong. It takes work 
usually two or three people in the church doing all the work. <laughs> I don't know if it's like that here. <laughs> it takes work, but it takes a lot of work. It takes work to make time to do it, right? It takes a lot of work to, to get your house clean, <laughs> keep your house clean. You got two kids like I got. You, well, my wife's in trouble. She got three kids, one 37-year-old, one 9-year-old, one 7-year-old. And so it's, it's rarely clean at our house, but... Um, we got in a pretty good routine of, of, of making it look good for a, little, for a few hours. <laughs> From house to house, and they did eat their meat with, with gladness. The church should be a place of enjoyment, shouldn't it? Of ple- of, uh, of, look, there's a lot of things that can get you down in this life, but in the church, it's a place of gladness. It's a place of joy. See, it really depends on what you're focused on and these people were focused on the glory of God and it says that it says they, they with with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved and so I'll, I'll close with this thought. I believe the ones that should be saved. You say, who, who are the ones? Is the Lord just going to add to the church as he sees fit? Is the Lord just going to drag them into this church? The Lord just going to drag them into Vestavia Church? No, he's not. But the ones that the Lord adds to the church that should be saved are the ones that repent and the ones that believe and the ones that are baptized and the ones that continue it steadfastly. If you'll do those things, you will be saved. Amen. Those are the ones that will be saved. You will save, you, 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 you will, listen, not from heaven, but there's a lot of things I need to be saved from in this life. Amen. Number one thing is myself. That's right. Do y'all agree with that? The, the, the influence of this world and the ones that were added to the church that should be saved are the ones that found themselves doing that. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 